2: We look to the future, but embrace our past. We study, we analyze. We race on Sunday, so we can innovate on Monday. We exercise trial and error religiously.
0: and the point of views inside the sport of motocross the gates about to drop on Big MX radio hey big mx listeners welcome to this episode of the big mx radio podcast show and uh, oh man these are awesome i can't uh, can't wait to keep bringing these to you guys to you and uh interviews and, and uh reviews introspection uh just giving my thoughts on the sport that I love so much, and I love to do it. Uh, on this episode, we've got none other... Then uh, Jeff Willow, a lot of uh, racers uh, and fans of the sport back to the early 90s, late 90s would know that uh, he's a very talented uh, individual, uh, had a lot of uh, mid-level uh, support rides, and uh, enjoyed a lot of success throughout the uh, the mid to late 90s and uh, even into the very early 2000s. Um, it's It was an awesome ch- time to talk to Jeff. Uh, he's uh, still riding motorcycles now, uh, less motocross, obviously, than his pro days, but uh, as always, a great, uh, great interview, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy this. If you do, in fact, enjoy this particular podcast, uh, I encourage you to message me, uh, whether it be on social media through Twitter, which is uh, at BradGmx95, which is my Twitter, as well as uh, my Instagram, which is Brad G- Brad Gebhart88 at uh, on the Instagram, and also my email is bradgebhart 88 at gmail.com, and you guys can contact me, tell me what you think, and uh, kind of just give me some feedback as to uh, what you're looking for, as far as podcasts to listen to, uh, what things you'd like covered, or because uh, uh, um, I've gotten to the the top point where I can uh, call up these guys and get some serious answers uh, from some of the bigger names in the sports, so uh, um, please make re- make requests, and I'll do my best to fulfill them, and now, without further ado, here's my interview with uh, Jeff Willow, enjoy. With us on the line, we've got none other than Jeff Willow. Jeff, how are you this beautiful afternoon?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for asking.
0: Hey, thanks for coming on the show, man. I know this has been a request from a lot of my listeners to get Jeff Willow on the sh- on the show to uh, to talk about yesteryear, talk about right now, talk about all things in between, and uh, you're fa- you're finally on the show. We connected yesterday via uh, Instagram, and uh, here we are.
1: Yep, here we are, and I'm glad to be on the show. And uh, yeah, let's let's do this
0: for sure. Now, before we spin the clocks back, let's talk about uh, uh, what what's Jeff Willow up to lately. Uh, I see by your Instagram uh, post that uh, you still do twist the loud stick here and there. Uh, maybe uh, not as much motocross as you did in your pro- professional days, but uh, uh, what's uh, what keeps you busy nowadays?
1: Um. Well, I got two daughters. That's what uh, keeps me the most busy. But, yeah, uh, there you, you know, of course, I, I still love to ride. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was uh, out spending some laps at LACR with a few friends the other day. And, uh, you know, try to get out as much as I can.
0: Awesome. Well, like, uh, what kind of bike are you on right now? Are you on uh, two-stroke, four-stroke, uh, 250, 450? What are you, what are you
1: on? Um, well, you know, I kind of, I've been racing for a company called SSR Motorsports. Uh, the last few years and it's a, it's a 450 that's made in China. So oh, that's really? kind of interesting. Yeah. And, uh, we're racing the off road series called, uh, the big six. Right. And, uh, you know, we're doing okay in that one, having a lot of fun and, uh, you know, still racing.
0: That's awesome, uh, and obviously, you know, having turned pro back in uh, nineteen ninety five, still to be uh, riding competitively at it, but at any uh, capacity uh, is is no small task. Um, like like riding for you nowadays, uh, as far as uh, getting out there on a regular basis, how often are you on your motorcycle?
1: Oh man, you know it, it could be you know three times a month, or it could be one time a month. Um, we okay. race the, the races uh, once a month. So I'm, I'm uh, definitely out there racing the SSR bike and, uh, you know, still doing that. And uh, I got my good friend uh, Dustin from uh, SRE Racing. He built the, the bike and, and we got that thing. So it's a uh, it's pretty darn fast bike and uh, handles really good. So having a lot of nice. fun doing that.
0: Well, that's good to hear, and I always I, I love to hear that uh, athletes after their professional career is is uh, has has gone by the wayside that uh, they still stay active in the sport, they still seem to enjoy it, and I, I think that just speaks volumes to uh, not only the sport itself, but also the, your passion for it. it is something that you uh, you love to do as a pastime as well as a career.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Well, that's where it started. You know, is is, is having fun. You know, probably as a kid, I never would have imagined that I was going to be able to make money or, uh, race at the levels I did, you know, so it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and, you know, of course I got my daughters on bikes and, uh, try to get them out there every once in a while too.
0: Awesome. It's, it's great to share that, uh, passion with your children. Of course, my dad got me into racing when I was uh, a young guy and, uh, that has turned itself into a, a couple of decade long obsession and, uh, and probably way too many paychecks gone, uh, where they probably, uh. Probably shouldn't, but uh like they said, uh teach your kids to love motorcycles and they'll never have money for drugs or alcohol, right
1: that's what they say, yeah, that's what they say and and you know it's it's so much fun, you know, just traveling and and to go into different tracks and just going you know half of the fun is you know the trip and and the memories you make during it so.
0: Right, and, and we'll get into yeah. this a little bit during uh, when we talk about your pro career, but uh, you you got the opportunity to do a ton of traveling with your professional career going over to Europe because uh, those those off season races were like there was a whole lot more of them there was uh, I think there was a little bit more money to be had as far as show up money and uh, like some pretty so high profile events that uh, guys like yourself could capitalize on in the in the quote unquote off season and uh, go make some serious cash uh, on the other side of the pond.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I wasn't lucky enough to do too much uh, traveling over in Europe, but I, I did make a, a few trips and, and I had a real good time. The the most fun that I had was at the fair races, you know, the money mm-hmm. races, you know, where you got, you know, a bunch of fast guys. But it's like, you know, it probably pays almost as much as winning the Supercross and uh, you're at a little dunk race. And, and uh, those are always the, the funnest for me.
0: Absolutely, it's uh, when you guys can just uh, get in your element and uh, and and bang bars with some guys over
1: uh,
0: uh, some 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 beer money and, uh, and and a plastic trophy. What's better than that, right?
1: You you know it. That's what it's all about is getting the trophy. You know, it doesn't matter uh, really how much money comes with it. It's a it's the trophy that that we're looking for. So
0: absolutely, and I'm sure I'm sure uh, if it was a fair race, you're probably surrounded by some uh, some local bitter rivals that you had, or maybe not so bitter, but rivals nonetheless. And uh, those bragging rights are probably, uh, those that outweighs the trophy, the money, and everything else that comes along with
1: it. Yeah, most definitely. You definitely want to be, uh, you know, going to the next race with that confidence too, you know, and, and everybody else scratching their head. So that always helped, and, you know, it's just a, a good practice for the, you know, the upcoming Supercrosses or Arena Crosses that we're going to be doing. Cause, uh, I never had my own track to ride like in my backyard like, uh, you know, the kids do these days.
0: No kidding, a guy like uh, uh, Carson Mumford, uh, his dad going out and uh, purchasing the, uh, the Alessi compound. I believe there's at least two Supercross tracks and an outdoor layout out there. Uh, oh, I could only imagine what a, what a young Jeff Willow would have been able to achieve with uh, real estate like that and, uh, and, the, and the, uh, basically a, a full-blown facility all to yourself and uh, enough mechanics to, uh, to rebuild the bike from the ground up in about an hour.
1: I know, right? Well, we I had most of those things just not the track. I grew up in Glendale, California, and, and right. it's, you know, it's a city. So you got to drive, you know, hour and and uh I never was uh, fortunate to have my own track. I was crafty enough to to sneak onto other pros that had tracks and ride their track when they weren't around, so you know, we right. won't name no names, but uh that's what kept me fresh and and uh you know, not not having my own deal but being able to ride still.
0: Absolutely. Now let's let's uh spin the clocks back here. Um when when did you first get immersed to motocross? When did you find that you had some aptitude to it and started to win some races and uh eventually uh got getting some getting some support from Kawasaki and some some sponsors in the early 90s which ended up with you uh um being a perennial top 10 guy at Loretta's uh throughout the uh throughout 92 to 94.
1: Yeah, well it all started with my dad. He he raced some desert races and stuff like that. So, you know, almost every weekend we were out in the desert and and I was like, "Hey, where's where's my bike?" So, that's where it started. And then uh, you know, once once I started passing him, he he hung up the boots and uh we focused on, you know, going racing. And most of the time I think he he liked it more than me, you know. He is he was a diehard, you know. If it wasn't for him, you know, I would have never been where i got to so a lot of the credit goes to him you know and then uh parents you know a huge role. oh yeah for sure if you don't have the support you know it's uh it's tough and and i have hard time filling those shoes you know like it's like oh i gotta take my kid to gymnastics class and then i think my dad worked all day came home loaded him up and we went riding every day so toughen up little soldier and handle what you got to do you know
0: no kidding. Oh, I often, uh, tell my dad that he, uh, set the bar a little bit, uh, a little bit too high for me, uh, whether it be, uh, motocross, uh, skiing, hockey, football. Most kids get to pick one. I, uh, was, I, I, I'm not bragging by any means, but the fact is I got to do it all. So, uh, my dad did set the bar rather high. And I think that goes for a lot of racing parents that, uh, like you said, work a full-time job, uh, punch the clock at four o'clock and they're usually loading up a, uh, Sixty-five, eighty-five, a one twenty-five, or some t- in some cases all three into the back of a pickup truck and uh, off to a dust-filled track where uh, they'd probably rather uh, kick back and gra- grab a cold one. But uh, you do what you need to do to uh, to get get that throttle therapy.
1: That's it, you know. And he always put the best people around me too. You know, had had the good guys working for me, and you know back then, Barner, and you know he had a uh, Team Green guys I worked for. Jeff Matasiewicz helping me out when I first turned pro, you know, oh, Jerry wow. Campbell. Yeah. He he knew he was real good at that kind of thing, you know, and, and that, that led to, you know, going racing in, uh, Florida for the, the winter Olympics, which is coming up here shortly. And that's pretty much where I, you know, like realized, Hey, I got kind of got the speed and I'm maybe can turn pro and, and do something with this. So I got, a I I won the title in the intermediate class and, and, uh, 94, I believe, and then turned pro in '95 and raced my first supercross with my dad as my mechanic here in Anaheim.
0: No doubt. And uh, like before, we get into the the to the pro stuff. Like every single year that you went to Loretta's uh, as well as uh, Mini O's, uh, top tens across the board. In, in fact, going through your results from Loretta's, not a single moto outside the top ten uh, in those three years, which is no small feat given the fact that uh, that's like. Uh, six, twelve, eighteen motos, and and never having a mechanical, never having a, a, a big issue, and and uh, even capping that off with a third and a fourth in the A classes in in 1994 against guys like Robbie Skaggs, and uh, and Chad Johnson, Jeff Curry, like these guys were some serious heavy hitters, and uh, and you were able to uh, mix it up with those boys.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, uh, I never really liked Loretta's The track there. It, it never really suited me very well, well. So, you know, to get a third and a fourth was pretty good for, for me, I thought. So, okay. you know, uh, I, I'd love to go back and give it another shot now in uh, in the plus 40 class or whatever they got. But that's, uh, n- not in the real near future, but maybe here shortly.
0: Hey, yeah, absolutely. Like, you have to call up Brownie and see if he's going to race. And if he's going, <laughs> then you just wait another year. And then next That's year you it. call up Brownie and see if you're going to race. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because... No doubt. Or you just got to learn from what Brownie does and, and try to catch him slipping. But, you know, there's slim chances you can beat that guy. He's he's on and uh, you know, I think everybody complaining about him winning is, is uh, not really fair to him. You know, he – he put his yeah. boots on and went racing, just like everybody else. So,
0: no, yeah, like, uh, like he didn't just show up and like uh, they handed him the trophy. He had to go lead the laps. He had to get the starts. He had to go faster than the the next fastest guy. And and if if his age and and his ability fits the description of the class, that's that's like that would be like me complaining about all the kids that waxed me when I was on eighties, and they're like, well, they're too fast. Well, get faster, like.
1: <laughs> Yep, yep, for sure. That's how I feel about it too. And I, I guarantee I wouldn't have liked it if I was there racing. But you know, hey, you you show up and you you deal with what who you got to race with. You know, totally, so, oh, absolutely, yeah.
0: and uh, and hats off to the guy. I think he's I think he's going faster now than he was uh, the year he won his championship on a on a one twenty five. And uh, I believe that's that's two thousand and one. The guy uh, is ageless. I think he's he might be he's in better shape than I am right now. I guarantee that, and I'm in pretty damn good shape myself.
1: <laughs> yeah you know we were teammates in 96 and you know I, I learned a lot from that guy he's he's solid you know and and you know you could tell his his work ethic is there and he puts in the time you know for
0: sure and he also just loves it whether it's a uh, enduro cross uh he's doing hair scrambles he did work series when he first uh, uh hung up like quote unquote Kind of hung up the boots. He was doing that stuff. He he he, he raced uh, four strokes. He raced two strokes. He went to Europe. He he races. He raced a Canadian national last year. Of all things, it's like the it, uh, if if you got two wheels and uh, and want to ride dirt bikes. I think uh, if if you got Brownie's phone number, uh, provided he'll actually pick up the phone, you'll you're gonna have a riding
1: buddy. Yeah, definitely. You could tell. You know, I mean, I don't know him really that great personally, but you can just tell that he he loves to ride. That's, that's what yeah. it comes down to. It's it's not for the paycheck. It's to be there and, and be racing still and doing what he loves. And Absolutely. that's what probably produces the good results too. Cause you know, you know, if you're having a good time and, and, and everything's clicking that that's when you're going to be putting in the best results
0: for sure and like for yourself is that kind of the feeling that you had uh in, in the later stages of your amateur career even going into the the earliest stages of your professional career um i, I find that when kids are 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 just about to go go pro they almost they get this sense that they, they can almost do no wrong they 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 rule their local races like uh um like Ricky Carmichael did in the like the like the late 90s early 2000s just just exerting their will that, that's got to be a, a, a confidence-inspiring feeling, just knowing that, uh, especially as an amateur, when you're on the line, you look to your left, you look at your right, you got those guys covered.
2: Well, that was
1: part of the, my favorite part about racing, too, is kind of the intimidation part. Like, I might not be the fastest guy on the line, but if I can, you know, put on a, kind of scare everybody on the line, you know, and, and uh, uh, Kyle Partridge used to do it. You know, you're sitting on the line and just screaming and just acting kind of crazy and You know, or talking smack to the guy next to you, you know, and and that kind of just gives you the confidence to like, you know, I'm going to handle business and they're like, whoa, what, what the heck and throws them all off of what they're doing, you know, and, uh, you know, and then being able to capitalize on it. That That was part of the fun part about racing for me too.
0: Definitely. And some, uh, some Terry Varner built Kawasaki 85, uh, uh, motors and probably most likely some, some lightning quick 125s as well, uh, were, was, was a a lot of fun to pull up more than your fair share of hole shots. Am am I correct in thinking so?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Especially in the two stroke days, you know, you had to have as much power as you could get, you know? So it's, uh, call that guy up for a
0: podcast. I think Picking that guy's brain would just be—it'd uh, take too long, but I—I—I'd I'd love every minute of it.
1: Warner's a great guy, and he's probably got a million stories to tell. Oh
0: heck yeah! That's Especially for sure. uh, working for FMF Honda that one year, and yeah, he's—he's he's done it all. The guy's still still around, still still building horsepower.
1: Yeah, he's the guy that taught my my uh, good friend from elementary school, who uh, was my mechanic in '98, which I talked about earlier, Dustin Shanklin. He's—he's he's right. the one that taught taught Dustin everything he knows are most of the things he knows and uh you know and now he's he's still building my bikes you know we're, we're 41 years old and and best friends still so, so that's kind of cool but you uh, know
0: the, the he worked at FMF with Warner. Right yeah.
1: yeah it's like a big family you know everybody everybody gets along pretty good to the most point
0: so uh the, to close out your your amateur days were you a full blown uh team green athlete uh uh like getting getting support getting bikes uh what, what kind of level of support were you were 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 you working with rolling into uh your your professional debut which was uh january twenty
1: eighth uh nineteen ninety five yeah i i was uh team green rider for uh for a few years and i was receiving a few bikes and and some parts money to to be able to keep them running right Nice, and then and then when I turned pro, that deal kind of went, got a little smaller than it was the year before, and uh, you know, thank goodness Eric Kehoe called me, and, and we got signed up for the Honda's Roy deal that year.
0: Right, but the, the the first year that you rode Kawasaki's on the on the West Coast, and then a couple of nationals as well, correct?
1: That's right. Yeah, we, me and my buddy Jeremy Dubner, loaded it up in a in his little F10 pickup and headed back to up to Washougal and then all the way back to New York. Some of the best times of, of my racing is, was those times driving, you know, in the truck with with the mechanic and just having a good time.
0: No doubt, the, the the some some scattered results in the, the that first year. Uh Hangtown seventeenth overall, and then uh, like you'd think that a a guy like a, a rookie st- would stay on the on the West Coast, which you certainly see a lot of nowadays. But Hangtown, and then Broomtailga
1: <laughs> Motorsports yeah, Park in New let's York. Let's go racing! You know, I, I didn't get enough yeah. with that one. We're going racing. If there's a race and we can get there, let's do it. You know. For sure, and it, what, that's uh, how it was. We, we probably spent then. way more money. We we spent way more money than than we actually made, you know. But it was a, uh, you know, like I said, it was the times of my life and the stories we still talk about. So, and uh, yeah, Jeremy Dubner actually, you know, he was a good friend of mine and was being was my mechanic at the time, and uh, right. he offered let let's load him up in my my S10. I'll buy a carpet kit and uh, a camper, and we'll sleep in there and we'll do this, and uh, that's what cool. we did. And you know, you you think about it now, man. That was rough, but it was, you know, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. It was, it was great. No
0: memories to last a lifetime on that end. And uh, honestly, probably some lessons learned because uh, life on the road, you gotta uh, grow up quick, um, making decisions on where you're gonna eat, when you how, like, you're, you're, you can't just uh, quickly, uh, hey dad, uh, like wire me some money uh, over the internet quickly. Like that's not an option out there. Uh, you, you really had to be smart about things too.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I wasn't all that smart at times. The first time uh, they let me go to the races by myself, I got ended up getting a tattoo and nice. all kinds of all kinds of good stuff that we probably shouldn't be talking about. But you know, it's, but that's it's, how it's, you it's learn. All part you know? of it now, man. Yeah, you know, Ron Heaven and those guys were, you know, had to have a little talk. Yeah, that's not that's not what we do at the races. Oh, okay. Right.
0: <laughs> we do that I, after I, I the thought races. It was fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, good times.
0: No kidding. But, so Eric Kehoe uh, gives you a phone call, and uh, it's Honda of Troy, which for those who don't know, 1996, Honda of Troy, an absolutely phenomenal team. Um, like you, you guys had uh, – that's uh, Larry, Larry Ward, if I'm not mistaken, I think.
1: Yep. yep. As well Larry as uh,
0: uh, Todd DeHoop in one of his no, final no. years as a full
1: – No? No, you think he was the year before me. We had uh, oh, okay. Mike Craig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brian Slink, Brian Swink, and yeah, um, yeah Brian Slink, and then also uh, Mike Brown, and then Mike also Brown, Casey okay. Lytle, Casey Lytle as well.
0: Okay, on yeah, well, that, that, a ton of great riders on that particular team. Uh, you're riding on the West uh, ninth place in the first race of the year. Uh, how are you feeling rolling into that particular season? Uh, the '96 Honda, a, a great bike. Still, that's still the. Uh, the, the steel frame, phenomenal platform. Uh, wh- what do you remember about rolling into that season?
1: Well, you know, it's like you practice and you practice and you practice. And then when you get to the race, you they, you jump on this race bike that's completely different. So I had a little bit of a hard time, like, kind of adjusting right away. And, uh, you know, the results really weren't there that we were looking for. And then, and then we came into San Diego and just got real lucky, I guess. And uh, everything clicked the week prior and uh you know just uh it uh couldn't have been any better i guess
0: no kidding you know, it's funny that most guys uh y- you know uh jeff most guys go like they become a top 5 guy and then they get a couple of podiums and then they'll rattle off a win and they'll 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 realize that they can win some races and they'll continue doing so uh y- you uh, your first top 5 position of your entire career was february 10th two, nine, 1996 where you won in San Diego, what do you possibly remember about that particular night? Because uh <laughs> hadn't quite stepped on the podium yet, but uh, by the end of the night, you were at the top of it.
1: Yeah, really, you know, unbelievable, really. You know, uh, didn't think anything of it, you know, just going to the line like any other night, uh, talking to some friends, what are we going to do after the race? And just, you know, gate dropped and uh, <laughs> everything worked that time. And led every lap and, and took the win. And, you know, it's, it's just crazy. I could probably, you know, tell you every second of the race what was going through my mind because, uh, you know, and at the end, there, all the lappers and uh, Kim, uh, Kim was catching up to me, Ashkenazi, and uh, and I was, you know, like, oh, man, one more lap, dude. It's like, you know, I, I'm like, in the beginning, I'm thinking, all right, you know, a couple guys are going to pass you. And, and if you're lucky, maybe you can, you know, stick it on the podium. You know, lap 12, I'm like, uh- oh there, there ain't no way I'm letting nobody buy no more you know i I can do this, and uh you know, just got lucky enough, put that thing in first gear, make sure nobody could get on the inside of me, and jump that finish line in first gear <laughs> Boom. So, yeah and yeah, just like That
0: feeling it. is i I can't even imagine that feeling
1: yeah it is insane the you know i to you know not too many people know, but you know when i'm I was a kid every night you know. That's what I, I dreamed for, you know. I said my prayers, and I want to win a Supercross. You know, I guess I should have wished for a championship, but we'll take this Supercross win.
0: No kidding! Well, like the 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 list of guys that you finished in front of is rather impressive: James Daub, uh Michael Brandis, David Villman. Pedro Gonzalez, Craig Schnell, um, Mike Metzger, who who was still who was racing Supercross at that time, Travis Preston on uh, at that time I believe was on a Chaparral Suzuki. Um, like Casey Lytle, your teammate had a horrible night in twenty first position, but uh, yeah, you were flying the flag, man, doing it proudly taking that moto win or the, the main event win, uh, a huge feather in your cap. And I imagine uh, that conversation of what we're going to do after the race uh, kind of only escalated at that point because uh, I think they do win bonuses for uh, 250 guys or 125 guys, correct?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, you'd think I would have went out and party, but I, I actually loaded it up in the truck and drove straight home. And uh, Really? You, yeah, just, you know, hey, I, I won. I'm out of here. See you guys later. And,
2: uh, oh, yeah, Mike I just drop. headed
1: home drove it straight home and woke up and just couldn't believe it. I I'm at home with the trophy, you know, it's still, yeah. it's still crazy to think about. And, uh, you know, Very a lot of, a lot of weight though. goes on your shoulder though. It's sitting right here in front of me. Actually, I'm in my garage. Uh, so it's right there, but, uh, yeah, a lot of pressure wow. comes with that though. Cause when, when you get, when you do get lucky enough to take a win, you know, everybody expects you to win after that. And totally. that was what, uh, that's what kind of hurt me is, uh, you know, Putting that extra pressure on myself, and then I, I didn't even make a main for four four weekends in a row after that, just because of you know, you know, putting the pressure on myself, and then just stupid things happening. So, you know, it's it's crazy to you know to think, you know, I won, and then I didn't even make the main the, the next weekend. Yeah, your,
0: your 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 next and only main main event for the rest of the year, Denver, nineteen ninety six, uh, May. Yeah, that's that's almost three months, three months later. And um, just like as far as like the the pressure from like, uh, are you talking specifically like you putting it on yourself? Uh, guys like uh, your your team manager, uh, Mr. Kehoe, and, uh, and and external pressure like that. Well, who who was putting the most amount of pressure on you at the time?
1: you know, I think it was mostly myself, you know, and, uh, you know, people just kind of expecting you to be able to go out there and do it again. And, uh, you know, it took me a while to actually to get my riding to where I I felt comfortable again and, you know, and, uh, could just get back out there and and not, you know, I don't know. It's kind of weird. You know, I had a little weight on my shoulders and once you got that off, then you could just ride normal again.
0: Yeah, once that expectation is kind of, uh, is no longer there, you can, you can, uh, You just you just ride freely, and I feel like when you guys exactly. are able to to just ride to the best of your ability without having to worry about external pressure or external circumstances, um, that's when that's when you, you guys have your your best results. And then clearly, that literally did happen in in San Diego, where uh, it was it was kind of a I wouldn't say a nonchalant atmosphere, but just a a pressure free atmosphere, and uh, go out there, collect the victory, and uh, go home to bed
1: that's it, you know, and, uh, that's, that's how it was. So yeah, it's pretty crazy.
0: So at the end of 2000 and, uh, or 1996, uh, you switch over to Yamaha's in 2007 where, uh, um, you enjoyed some success there as well. What team was, uh, what was the support for that particular team? Was that, uh, I believe that was a a Nolene Sizzler ride or what was that?
1: Yeah, that was, it was a Clark Jones, uh, team Nolene Sizzler Yamaha. And uh, that was good, had a, a great mechanic, Todd Brown at the time. And uh, we we had some good rides, and uh, I think we we could have probably put in a few better ones than, than we actually finished, but, uh, you know, a couple top fives, got a, I got a good start at Gainesville that one year in 97,
2: and yeah, I think ended up overall. sixth
1: or seventh, yeah. And then I had a big wreck in the first turn on the second, in the second moto. I was actually going in, into the first turn right behind Craig in second. And And he kind of ducked it. I sure did. Ran right in the back of his tire and uh, broke off the clutch lever. So I had to finish the race with no clutch lever. And then ended up working my way all the way up to 13th. Could see a couple guys in front of me and ended up crashing again. So got up and still get 11th overall. I, I was riding really good at that time.
0: Hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. Please, emigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat
1: ball. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show.
0: Hey Big MX listeners. It's time for another commercial break. Please listen carefully to these and we'll be right back to the show. Thanks. W USA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now, and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples, and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungy, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose. They just build amazing products. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to B-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A dot com today. W-U-S-A. All things wheels. Hey, big MX fans, thanks for listening to this podcast and hope you're enjoying it. I want you guys to head on over to TractionMX.com. Traction MX is the place to get your seat covers for any bike that you have, whether it be a Husqvarna, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Yamaha. ATM, you name it, these guys have a great seat cover for you. They're durable, they're flashy, they're eye-catching, and they're one-of-a-kind. The reason why they're one-of-a-kind is because you design your own. You pick the fabrics, you pick the ribs, you pick the, everything all the way down to the stitching uh, color that they use on the seat cover itself. Traction MX is your one-stop shop to set your bike apart from the herd 110%. These seat covers start at just $69.95 American, and uh, the average turnaround is a one to two weeks. One to two weeks from now, you could have a bike that's looking completely different than it does right now. So head on over to TractionMX.com, start shopping, start designing, and make something special like for you today. Going viral with Viral Brand. Viral Brand is setting its sights on being one of the leading brands in the extreme sports market. From supercross to snowcross and snowboarding, and everything in between. Viral Brand is working hard to not only bring you premium products, quality eyewear, and killer style, but award-winning support with every sport. Head on over to the viralbrand.com and get tinted lenses, clear lenses, ten packet tear-offs, and goggle bag for only fifty-nine ninety nine. Viral brand products are available in the US, Canada, and Australia and used exclusively by the Barn Pros Racing MX Home Depot Yamaha team for the 2017 season. Go viral with the viral brand. See, that particular crash is about as famous uh, a moment, uh, unfortunately, it's a famous moment of your career, because uh, it was featured in uh, in not only one, but uh, a couple of... um, uh, not the great outdoors, but the terra firma movies, uh, super slow motion and, uh, and you, you pile into the back. It was, it was a, a wide sweeping start and, uh, you go over the bars and, uh, that's kind of like a, the, the beginning of one of my, my favorite segments in one of my favorite motocross movies. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, you were on the losing end of that.
1: Yeah, I sure was, but you know, that's racing and, and you got to expect, yeah. uh, you know, days like that, that's for sure. You know, you got to get up and, and uh, keep, get back on the horse. If you can, <laughs> for sure,
0: yeah. So, you, yeah, that's not a good time to go down. Oh. Yeah. yeah, bad time to go down. But uh, you back up that eleventh place uh, with a couple of fifth places in Supercross. In fact, the next, uh, the next, the rest of your Supercross of that particular year, you stayed pretty much in the top ten. Going five, five, six at uh, Daytona, which is no small feat. Minneapolis in the cold, and then uh, back down to Houston where you're also sixth. So uh, a pretty successful season for you as far as uh, Supercross went uh, on the one two five.
1: Yeah, and and that year in Vegas, I actually got the whole shot and led for maybe half a lap or lap, and uh, Wyndham and Carmichael got by me, and That's and I, I was in I was in third, and I was I was feeling pretty good, other than the whoops were like death I wasn't getting through them very good, but I uh, lost a foot and and uh, had a, a big wreck. So if I, if that didn't happen, might have might have put it in the top five there too.
0: No doubt man we like uh w- what was so special about that 97 Honda or y- Yamaha rather uh we know they were good bikes a lot of guys were able to uh capture wins on them uh Wyndham being one of them he, he wrapped up a championship on the uh, on the east coast that or the west coast that particular year um like uh, w- what was so special about that particular bike and just your connection with it and some testing that you were able to do uh with uh with Mr. Brown uh spinning the wrenches for you
1: yeah, you know, Clark had those bikes uh, going really good that year, and uh, the Yamaha was a, was a solid bike, and uh, you know that was probably one of the one of the best bikes I I rode two stroke is uh, the ninety seven Yamaha. So yeah, they had it they had it really good, and you know we had a track, uh, you know, uh, Nolene had a little supercross track up there by Audolano, and so we could go ride and do a little testing and uh, you know make progress.
0: So uh, was testing a, uh, a strength for you, or was it uh, something that you, you had to work at? Because I know there's a lot of guys that have some success as an amateur. They uh, Early in their career, they have a hard time shaking down bikes. But uh, was was testing and, and kind of shaking down a bike uh, something that was kind of uh, a, a strength for you, or was it a weakness?
1: Well, you know, it kind of started out as a weakness. Uh, I went to a, one of my first pro races up with Jim Hawley and, and had a leaky fork seal. And they're like, hey, yeah, I'll try to take the wheel off and pull the fork off. And I looked at them like, are you kidding me? Like, how do I do that, <laughs> you know? And uh, so from then then on, you know, if I needed to learn how to work on the bike. And you need to, you know, know to be able to tell them how it's, it's handling and all that stuff. When when I was racing pro, I wasn't really that good at it and didn't didn't really like to go testing, you know? I didn't feel like we were getting that, that, you don't get results like you expect. You know, you don't make huge, you got to, it takes baby steps. It takes a long time. But uh, after that, I, I test rode for Honda for uh, eight years. And, you know, we did a lot of durability testing and, and all that stuff. And you, you kind of learn, you know, while you're riding to to think about those things. Because when you're just trying to pin it, you really don't think, oh, you know, I need to do this and do that. So you got to kind of slow yourself down and, and think about what you're doing and what the bike's doing
0: yeah absolutely I, I i myself uh i'm I'm not a gifted tester I don't always know what's going on with my motorcycle I know that the throttle is usually not on on enough on, on on occasion but uh, and I'm not nearly hard enough on the front brake but uh, um as far as uh, getting better at working on bikes and, and doing testing um like is, what what would you say is the is the, the the hardest thing to try and start to feel out there on the track and and just starting to understand what your motorcycle is doing underneath you
1: well you know what your mechanic is is uh, going to be huge for you because he's going to be the one watching it and and he a lot of the times they'll be able to just they don't even need you to tell them anything and they'll be a, a real good mechanic will just be able to do some you know clickers here or do what they need to do without even you telling them anything and then you know when next time you ride it it's better so the mechanic is a, a big big part of it
0: well, that's awesome. Good to, good to know that you had some, some guys there that knew what to do with spinning the wrenches. Um, one of the things that kind of sticks out to me as far as your career is that you found yourself on a different brand of motorcycle each year of your first four years uh, as a professional. Um, is that something that you feel uh, kind of hindered your ability to uh, uh, just... Like get used to a specific bike and ride it for for uh, a consistent amount of time because there's a big difference from the 1995 uh, Kawasaki, the 96 Honda, the 97 uh, 97 Yamaha, and then the 98 Suzuki. Uh, like you're you're changing a lot of components there. It's tough to really get in a groove, and I feel like there's a lot of guys that were able to stay on at least the same manufacturer. Um, at least would be able to roll into the next year, uh, kind of picking up where they left off rather than with a with a clean piece of paper and a a brand new motorcycle to shake down
1: oh yeah definitely you know that that's definitely be better if you could just go straight to the, the same bike but uh you know most of the time you can just uh you know ride it a few times and then kind of set it up to where you feel comfortable and and you know and and work on the points that that aren't there for you that you need to make better
0: Fair enough. And like uh so so ninety ninety eight rolls around, your final full professional season in the United States, and uh you find yourself on a Suzuki. Uh what uh what 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 is that a uh, a, a stiffy Suzuki? I believe that's over the pant boots. Um yeah, the the barn door uh Suzuki side panels uh inverted th- or right side up suspension uh the number 38 I believe and uh 39, 39 damn good, uh, yep 39 actually that uh, yep. that's, there's a connection between the two of us I also ran 39 in that particular year uh but uh, oh, cool. not as a national number as a chosen number but uh yeah what, what, tell me a little bit about that
1: that that was a good deal you know uh they, they it's, it's kind of you know they're like kind of you know people still talking about them you know they're, they're it was pretty cool and it'd be nice to see something else like that pop out and and uh, go again but uh that was a great deal you know my my good friend that i've talked about earlier is uh, dustin he was my mechanic uh in 98 and uh, it was a team based uh right here in simi valley near my house and uh it was cool it was it was real good we just uh we didn't have the the bikes, the the setup wasn't as good as we needed to be, but uh, we had a few good finishes. I think Brandis put it on the podium one time, and uh, you know we had Deegan on the team for a short period of time halfway through the season that year, with uh, the number thirty eight, I believe, and, yeah. then, uh, and then and um, then and then you know it, they they cut the they shut the doors three rounds till the end, and uh, that was the end of that deal.
0: The end of that deal, and uh, like basically, I would like the the end of your uh, or your competitive professional career, as far as the United States is concerned, and uh, the the motocross vault, uh, as far as your, your, your results to keep track of you. Um, what, uh, what, what spelt the end of, uh, of consistently going to the races because, uh, being a, being a, a perennial, uh, main event guy, having some decent finishes, uh, like, uh, was it, was it injuries? Was it, uh, off, uh, off bike distractions? What, what kind of pulled you away?
1: Yeah, definitely. It was, you know, the off, off track, uh, <laughs> uh, things, you know, and it pretty much got me in trouble for, you know, with the AMA, which, uh, you know, I thought it was, my career was done and we we're done racing and, uh, you know, had a couple of people still on my side and, uh, Jay from Weissco back then, he, uh, called, uh, Dave Anilak and, and we put together the arena cross team or, I mean, they already had the team. They put me on their team. Right. and uh so ni- 1999 we went racing and with arena cross well there so, you go uh,
0: and then then you run into this guy named buddy antinez who basically just ran the the, the 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 arenas back then what was it like uh <laughs> stepping into uh stepping into that circle and banging bars in some uh some pretty tight confines
1: oh man buddy's not a guy you want to race against he's he's a tough competitor but uh previous to racing with him, you know, he, I was no stranger to, to Budman or his career. And I actually I, I actually got lessons from him when I was uh, a a kid. So he he taught me how to battle with him. So I, I always gave him a hard time. He shouldn't have taught me so good and uh you know and and he's he's gnarly and he's a great rider. So uh it wasn't easy to beat him, that's for sure.
0: Well, that, And that was the golden era of arena cross. I feel like it was the right sport for the right time period uh, of when people were really excited about uh, motocross and, and supercross and arena cross. But you, you put... A, a, you put Supercross in some tight confines. You get some some riders that... Uh, you get a bunch of guys that have a chip on their shoulder uh, who are all fighting to make a living at this. And it was kind of the perfect storm to get a ton of uh, notoriety as far, as far as television was concerned. Um, the the television package, although it was delayed, it had a, had a great following, and they did a great job presenting it. Uh, those must have been great times. And also uh, the, uh, a, a band of, of awesome riders uh, within that. I'm talking Den- Denny Stevenson. Uh, Pedro Gonzalez was in there all the time. Rusty Holland, Brad Hagseff, Jeff Northrop, all those guys uh, riding in yeah, I mean, and around you'll... that particular time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot. Brian Swink came in for a little while. Right. Uh, Damon Bradshaw, and uh, you know there was there was a ton of fast guys and uh, a lot of a lot of real good friends. You know, the arena cross was was awesome because you could, you know, crash into somebody and you guys are still drinking beers after the race. And it was a little bit less, uh, you know. It's it's a lot different now. It's you know everybody's a little more professional. I'd say. I think you know we kind of we had a good time. We'd say, but uh, sure. You know, arena cross really uh, was was more up my alley because I, I like that you know tight racing and you know and banging bars and and all that good stuff that comes along with it.
0: Also uh with that came the, the ability to ride both classes something that I personally have always thought is, is kind of divinely uh, motocross um, it, it's unlike anything else in the sport and we don't do it anymore and I don't know why uh, mainly because there's a lot of guys that can they can jump on either bike and go uh, go just as fast I don't know I don't think it's really much of a safety issue but the fact is is that in arena cross you guys are riding 125s and 252 strokes uh, on the on the same night and often it was uh, there t- uh, two night uh, formats for the for the races um, kind of brought in some, some cool wrinkles to the sport that uh, uh, you don't really see anymore. Uh, what what kind of bikes were you on for Intercross, uh racing the 125 and
1: 250? I was riding for the Tough Honda team, so we were on okay. the 125 and the 250, and, you know, I, the 125 was just an awesome bike, and, and indoors, that 252 stroke was a beast, but, uh, you know, you'd think everybody tries to make their bike as fast as they can, and, and for that, that year, those years when we were riding 252 strokes, we'd be trying to put sock pipes on them, you know try to try to tame them down just cuz it's so much of a bike and that's a it's like a light switch you know 252 trucks. just it's it's there and then it's all there you know so oh, know. it was it was it was hard i thought you know and i thought that that added to the you know to the racing because some guys were great on the 125s and some guys are great on the 250 so it kind of evened everybody out a little bit
0: for sure, yeah. There's guys that have different skill sets. Different the the one bike kind of uh, plays into their hands a little better than the other one does, and and also at that time, uh, like you say, especially the Suzuki's or even the Kawasaki's, the like either the 125 was a lot better handling bike than the 250 or other way around. Like there, uh, you had some almost kind of uh, some extra wrinkles to the series that you don't quite have anymore. But uh, I always thought that it was pretty cool. I, I think I actually have a jersey from that particular year. And in, in if uh, if I'm not mistaken, Denny Stevenson was number three on a tough racing Honda?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, three or yeah. four the first year I started racing. I was 48, and I, I believe he was four, and then Jeremy Buell might have been number three that year. Okay. So and yeah. we had we're a gonna, lot of real fast dev- guys. Denny Josh Stevenson DeMuth, number three. You know, years. there's all kinds of fast guys that, that came, and, and I went. You know, Chad Johnson, he was a great arena yep. cross rider. He lived with me for a while. Good oh, kid. Really? Yeah. So yeah, really good times and, and to be honest, I never really made money racing Supercross and Motocross until I raced Arena Cross and, and then, you know, actually made some money and was able to buy buy my house in, in Riverside at the time.
0: Really okay, so uh, that th- th- it was an advantageous thing for you racing uh four main events every single weekend, and they also had the dashes for cash, which was an absolute shit show, if you don't mind me saying so. Uh, uh, I love the dash for
1: cash. <laughs> yeah,
0: like you, you've you know? you've probably got a, you, We could probably just do an hour long podcast on dash for cash stories. Uh Those things were just absolutely legendary.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I, we'd have to get Denny Stevenson on on the the horn for that one too, because he was the king of the dash for cash and. You know, there's nothing better than doing four laps and leaving with a thousand bucks cash, or you know, five hundred bucks. Or I, I think Buell won at one time and it was over two grand. So, and then to yeah. you know, get, still get your checks and everything else, I, I that was awesome. And I wish they still did that. You know, I think it made it more, more interesting for the fans. And and then the jump contest was also good. You could make take home a thousand bucks just uh, if you won both nights on the jump contest.
0: Were, were you throwing out any tricks in the the late uh, late nineties, early two thousands? Some heel
1: clickers, well, see, and, uh, yeah, you know, pre two thousands. I could I could win with the whip, you know. And then we got guys like Mike Mason and Mad Mike Jones and Clifford of Dante that are all fast ass riders and, and yeah. good jumpers too. So they took it to the next level. And and when you can't win, then it's really not worth putting your neck on the line out there right. when you still have to try to win the main event. So I had to, had to hang up that end of it and uh, let them do their show.
0: Well, that's actually uh, – I always find it. it's funny how uh, – that's actually how Kerry Hart got his start in Supercross because – or not Supercross, in Freestyle is that uh, Kenny Watson says, like, hey, just go – Go jump the do do the jump contest and I think either he won that particular one or did well in it and uh, and that kind of kickstarted a uh, a pretty epic um, career going forward uh, as f- for for a guy like Kerry I'm sure you probably uh, uh, bang bars with that guy for, at some point in your career because I think you guys are both around the same age
1: yeah Kerry is racing the same time as I was he's you know back then he was in a little white van. And, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, doing the same thing, the love for motocross, you know, traveling the country and, you know, riding your dirt bike.
0: Fair enough. In all of your travels, riding different areas of United States, where would you say was the, uh, uh, the, the best hidden gem practice track that you found, like kind of out in the middle of nowhere, or you heard about a track and went and found it and it was awesome. And then inversely, when were you told that, like, oh, you got to come to this track; it's awesome, and it turned out to be uh, somebody's backyard with a couple of uh, mounds of dirt.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, there's always that one, but you know, the probably the, the 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 gem in the hills was the the factory Honda test track in Simi Valley, way back, and uh, you, you could you know you'd get chased out of there with a the guy on a little bike with a shotgun if if, <laughs> if it wasn't a good day. But if if you didn't see that guy, then you'd got to ride the gnarliest super cross track you've ever been to and really? you know it was pretty much death defying just to roll through the whoops I don't think you could even do it you know and and uh, that was one of the funnest places I ever rode and you know and uh, I, I from what I know I heard you know like a lot of the, the big name guys that's where they trained back in in uh, probably the early 90s I, I would assume yeah mid 90s <sighs>
0: Proving ground for uh, for Jeremy McGrath uh, to, to to then go forward and uh, and capture 72 uh, Supercross wins. Um, when you were on a Yamaha back in uh, in '97, uh, I guess for that particular year, he was on Suzuki's. But uh, um, were you guys? Did you guys have the ability to ride the the, the Yamaha Supercross track, or was that? Uh, or where did you guys do the most amount of training on some of the teams that you're on, like uh, like Yamaha Tro- Honda Troy or uh, the No Lean Yamaha team?
1: Yeah, for Honda Troy, we're, we we uh, we had to drive to Corona, and we got we were lucky enough to ride the Honda test track, so that was pretty awesome when we could do that. And then for Nolene, uh, we had our own track out there uh, at uh, I think it was called Sunrise back in the day over there, you know, in Autolanta. So we had that one, which wasn't the best track, but you know, when you can go out there and ride anytime you want, that's that's always good.
0: Sure, and uh, so over your your whole career, I'm sure you had a, a ton of great sponsors, a couple of not so great sponsors. We won't talk about them, mainly because it, that's a bygone era. But uh, it is good to uh, to point out the ones that uh, went over and above the Call of Duty to uh, to when you added value. They uh, they reciprocated by uh, by supporting you, and maybe still do to this day. Who are some of those uh, sponsors that really helped you out uh, throughout your career, and uh, and maybe even some that you still have now?
1: Yeah, you know Jim O'Neill is a is is a big supporter he he's he tracked me down when i was a little kid and told my dad i look like a christmas tree and we need to get him suited up and ever since then i've uh you know if i didn't have a contract with a team i'd go back to o'neill and and jim would take care of me he's great and then i got a 60 helmets helps us out and uh the ssr motorsports company they're awesome and you know i wouldn't be racing right now if it wasn't for them and uh you know trying to get this bike out and let everybody know about it and then got my good friend Dustin at SRE Racing you know he's always keeping the bikes working right for me till this day so uh thanks to him we got Max's tires still helps me out a little bit and uh you know Rich Taylor over at X brand goggles yeah and sure a couple good. other ones I got Moto Moto Triple X my good buddy over at uh Jordan at Moto Triple X Still helps us out, so that's cool. Yeah, I
0: had Jordan on the show actually. Believe it or not, I had a phone call between uh, Colin Morrison, Bo Manley, Jordan Burns, and um, and Kenny Watson. It's almost unlistenable because they're always they're all talking over each other. But it was also '90s motocross gold because uh, uh, some stories came out that uh, maybe probably shouldn't have, but it's all for the better anyway.
1: That's too funny. Yeah, that's a great group of guys right there. That's for sure. Some, some legends and, uh, some diehards.
0: So uh, before before I let you go, my friend, a few short questions. Uh, if you could have back one of your race bikes, whether it be uh, to still ride it on a regular or kind of on a quasi regular basis, take it out every once in a while, or even just to shine it up and have it over top of your mantle looking way too sweet, what uh, what, what which one of your bikes that you had as a professional would you uh, would you want to have, or maybe you still do have?
1: Uh, you know what it's uh, it's funny I I got the graphics for it I just need the bike to put them on now and I've been looking uh trying to find the the right one for the right price is a 96 uh, Honda 125 to to make it look like it did and uh put the number 73 uh I still got all the the numbers and graphics for it so that would be cool to do and you know not just set it on the mantle but actually go ride it yeah, well, so oh, that's, that's that's still be a plan. great
0: bike. That's an awesome platform. Those things were fast. Um, they uh, like they they handled really well. They were sh- like it was a it was a kind of a short wheel-based bike, so it turned you could turn down in the middle of berms really easily on that thing. That's a great bike. I think if if you do get that thing, it would be a shame not to ride it.
1: Yeah, definitely. No, I'm looking right now, and uh, as soon as I get one, uh, we're gonna be out the track ripping it up.
0: Awesome man, and uh, as far as like the gear that you rode, uh, that you like, w- when did you find the year that you like? Yeah, my gear looks amazing every single weekend, uh, excluding the over the boot stiffy stuff because I won't accept that as an answer.
1: <laughs> you know the the probably the coolest gear was uh, was also the Honda Troy Blue, the Cinesalo, uh Blue gear. Yeah. That was cool because we only got to run it every once in a while, and uh, the graphics as well was just you know a cool look.
0: Could you could you still fit into that gear if you if you had a fresh set now or or would you be uh, have to let those pants out a little bit?
1: No, I'm pretty skinny, so I'm sure I could just fit just fine. But it always seems like oh. the, the jerseys, you know, they get smaller. You know, I, I haven't grown that much, but it's uh, but they they get smaller, so I don't yeah, know, if don't maybe know. a little bit tight. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: all, awesome, yeah. Man. Well. Uh, It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. It's great to talk to you um, and and just just pick your brain about uh, your career. And uh, where can people uh, follow you? uh, Whether it be on Instagram or kind of follow what you're doing now. And uh, uh, if if someone did call you up for riding school or something like that, would you be would you be interested in something like that? Or uh, um, what's the story on that side?
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I help kids out every once in a while. Um I don't do a ton of lessons but yeah if somebody calls and wants some help I, I definitely try to help them out and uh you can find me on Facebook or Instagram both of those and uh you know get a hold of me
0: Perfect, man. Well, uh, it, it's it's been a huge pleasure to have you on this show, and uh, we'll definitely call you up again sometime to uh, not only do some uh, some bench racing of uh, yesteryear, but maybe to call you up because I have a feeling you probably uh, flip it on over to uh, uh, Fox uh, Fox Sports One and watch a Supercross every once in a while. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, definitely big fan for awesome, sure. Awesome man. Well, Give me uh, call anytime, anytime too, and I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. Well
0: I I do appreciate that. And I'll be down in California for uh the first six rounds of uh of, of Supercross. So uh, we'll we'll have to uh uh meet up sometime and uh and, and reminisce a little bit more.
1: That sounds great. Anytime.